It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217 356 9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217 351 5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on this September 4th with you until 11 o'clock this morning. Lauren Tate is in the chair, and the phone line is open, 65 degrees, cloudy in central Illinois. Woke up to some rain this morning, but... uh, it looks like it's stopped at least for the moment, and uh, the forecast this afternoon indicates tonight it should be dry over around Memorial Stadium, a little bit cooler than last week, probably 30 degrees cooler. Yeah, I'd say it's a lot better for the fans, yeah, especially because degrees it was cooler. hot sitting out there last week. It was. UTSA is in town. We're going to learn more about them uh, coming up in just a few minutes when their radio voice Andy Everett joins us. He's the first of our guests coming up about uh, 9.15. But the Illini are trying to make it uh, two wins in a row to start the season. You, did you notice the spread on the game? If you watched that as the week went on, it kind of trickled down a little bit. It's four and a half now. Yeah, and did you see what uh, Scott Ritchie predicted? I did not. Uh, he predicted that Illinois will lose. And just just a, one more reminder that uh, this is a, a team comparable to Illinois in a lot of ways, and uh, they got a a running back that is outstanding. One of the may they claim he's the best college running back in the state of Texas. And at this point, we're hearing shaky information, as it always is about injuries. But I'm not sure that uh, Chase Brown is ready, 100% ready for this game. Now, I maybe uh, he wasn't last week, and I'm told he's having some problems this week. Well, the running he back did play last week, though, Steve. Yes, he did. The running back that you mentioned is Sincere McCormick. 1,467 yards last year, 11 touchdowns, averaged 133 yards per game. He was the Conference USA Offensive Player of the Year. Little guy, 5'9", but he's one of those uh, little guys that are tough to get a hold of. Yeah, he's a a breakaway guy, and and the Illini will have to have their run defense ready. And the other thing is that Harris, their quarterback, a left-hander, is also very efficient. Now, it's, it's hard to judge a team like this because they played a lot of teams like Texas State and Middle Tennessee. They only beat Middle Tennessee 37-35. Um, they beat Southern Mississippi 23-20. to They've had a lot of close games last year, won some, lost some. But the game that, that sticks out is a, a BYU went 11-1 and last year. And uh, they lost to BYU 27-20. to BYU is now one of the teams that is trying to, it sounds like they're going to make a, a bid to get in the uh, what's left of the Big 12. Now, I don't know how that works, Steve, because Texas and, and Oklahoma are going to be in the Big 12 for another couple of years, at least four years if, if you go by their contracts. But I imagine they'll try to get out in a couple of years. And uh, BYU is one of four teams to, to try to get back in there, along with Cincinnati and Houston and in uh, you know Boise State, I don't I don't know exactly who's going to wind up in the Big Twelve, but it sure sounds like they're going to expand, doesn't it? It does. Big Ten football last night, Michigan State surprised Northwestern a little bit, uh, thirty-eight to twenty-one. The final. Kenneth Walker the third, a transfer running back, 
23 carries, 265 yards, and four touchdowns. Yeah, you know, uh, Walker came from Wake Forest. Mm -hmm. I mean, Wake Forest not known for turning out great running backs necessarily, but Wake Forest won their game yesterday, so they they didn't miss him. But but, uh, I, I just thought the blocking by... Michigan State, they just uh, they just overran uh, Northwestern in that game. They they broke ahead. They were ahead 14-0. They were ahead 21-7 at the half, and then they scored the first touchdown of the second half, which made it 28-7, and from that point, uh, it was Michigan State's game. And then on Thursday night, Ohio State uh, trailed at halftime in the ballgame at Minnesota, but came back with a big second half to win 45-31. Minnesota, you and I had talked about that uh, you thought uh, they might give the Buckeyes some uh, problems. You've been saying that for about a month or so. Yeah, and indeed I, they did. They had a good game plan, I thought. They did the best they could do. I mean, you just, when, you know, they, those long touchdown passes by uh, Ohio State were just killers. And I don't know how you guard everybody, Steve, when you got that much speed at every position. They got great receivers, great running backs, great, you know, everything is great. And they're blocking and they're just so much more agile and quick and explosive than everybody else because they get all the better athletes. And uh, I thought Minnesota had a, a, you know, made a good run at them, but you could just see that Minnesota was in danger every time Ohio State had the ball. No matter where they were on the field, they might go all the way. What do you have? Four uh, touchdowns. Uh, Stroud had four touchdown passes over 50 yards? He did. C.J. Stroud making his first yeah. start yeah. for Ohio State at quarterback. And uh, as you told me a little bit ago, you could have completed some well, of those passes. Well, he had some open receivers. <laughs> <laughs> he had some open receivers, Steve. And, and uh, that's that, that's Ohio State. That, they're, just, they're more explosive than anybody else in the Big Ten. And uh, there's a, a few more games today. Temple and Rutgers play at 11. That game was originally scheduled for Thursday night mm-hmm. and got uh, moved because of the uh, bad yeah. weather out east. Also today, Western Michigan is at Michigan at 11. Fordham plays at Nebraska at 11, also at 11 o'clock. One of the games we'll keep an eye on for sure. Number 19, Penn State at number 12, Wisconsin, right out of the gate. A Big Ten tough game there. Before you get into today's games, I want to give you a reminder of what happened last night. Duke lost to Charlotte. Does that mean anything to you? Charlotte plays. Charlotte plays the Illini this year. They do. And Charlotte beat Duke 31-28. That'll be another tough game for the Illini. I thought Charlotte might be the maybe the easiest game on the schedule, but the, whoops, they're, they're good enough to beat Duke. And at the same time, Virginia Tech upset North Carolina, which is a, is a big deal because North Carolina is talking about beating, Char, uh, beating uh, Clemson this year. Yeah, I watched some of that game. That was a great atmosphere down in Blacksburg, Virginia. Yeah. They had a sellout crowd. And they might have gotten a break there towards the end of the game. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, on an interception, North Carolina was uh, driving and uh, threw a pass, uh, kind of a desperation pass to avoid being sacked. It was bobbled and intercepted. It looked to me like he didn't, like he was still bobbling it. Yeah. They reviewed it. Three and, bobbles? Yeah, it looked like there were <laughs> at least three bobbles in there. <laughs> and then when they reviewed it, they said it. Uh, the play stood, and that virtually ended the game. North Carolina had some timeouts, but... Uh, couldn't do much else but stop the clock three times before uh, the final 40 seconds ran off the clock. Other games today in the uh, Big Ten. West Virginia plays at Maryland, number 17, Indiana, at number 18, Iowa, at 2.30 this afternoon. Or- Iowa's the favorite. Yep. Oregon State. Sight. Yep. Oregon State plays at Purdue at 6 o'clock. Then, of course, the Illinois game, UTSA, Texas-San Antonio, 
at uh, 6.40 is the scheduled tip time tonight. Next week's opponent, University of Virginia, takes on William and Mary. Today, I this just be, hope William shows up. Well, Mary's playing both ways. <laughs> She's starting quarterback and uh, linebacker for William and Mary. But uh, that'll be a win, we would guess, for Virginia. And then that game at Virginia next week for Illinois is a 10 o'clock game. So I don't think we've ever had a 10 o'clock start uh, kick time. We've had many 11 o'clocks and yep. some other unusual times. Well, it's 11 o'clock someplace. It like is. It's 11 o'clock there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Baseball last night, the Cardinals beat Milwaukee 15-4. to It was the 300th career start of the battery of Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. And uh, that when you stop and think about that stat, uh, that's pretty amazing. The record. What did you, what did you say Wainwright's ERA was? Two point eight. Two point nine. Two point eight for the season. Two point nine one now. Yep, that's pretty good. <laughs> he's, I mean, is it, I'll ask a stupid question, but is he a candidate for the Cy Young? Well, he's fourteen and seven. Top, top ten anyway. Top, yeah. Top he, somewhere. He's fourteen and seven. He um, was the National League Pitcher of the Month at age forty. Yep. And if you had. To place a bet in Vegas, he'll be back again next year. Well, when he left the game last night, he hadn't given up a run. Of course, he had left with the bases loaded in the right. seventh inning, and and he they did give up a couple of runs. But uh, he's just been really uh, amazing to watch because I mean he's more fun to watch the pitch than anybody in in baseball because he's not doing it with a hundred mile an hour fastball, but he's he's getting away with a lot of fastballs. He just doesn't throw them over the plate. His curveball's still good. He's got a slider. I don't know. He just knows how to pitch. And I, if I was him, I wouldn't sign a one-year contract. I'd demand two. Yeah, then just uh, make it three and make it the third. You make him the pitching coach after that. Huh? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> make Yachty the manager after that. <laughs> well, that might happen someday. Yeah, you never you, know. It might. You might have uh, those two guys there for a long. The Cardinals long time. only game and a half behind the Reds now, and they play the Reds to, again today. Well, they play the Brewers today. I'm sorry. Yeah, they're they're behind the Brewers by eleven games or ten and a half, whatever. But uh, they need, They do have another series with the Reds. They, they yeah. just played the Reds. They it? did, but they've got another series with the Reds coming up in St. Louis as mm-hmm. well. Other baseball, the Cubs uh, beat the Pirates 6-5. to Kansas City over the White Sox 7-2. to That game uh, got a late start, but Kansas City uh, went on and uh, won that ball game. A couple other football games to keep an eye on today, and I know you will. Number one, Alabama mm. against number 14, Miami. Yeah, I... Okay, is Miami that good? No, probably not. We'll see. They're probably good, probably yeah. not that good. Well, you know, uh, when we try to predict games that nobody's played, just like the Michigan State and Northwestern game, I mean, you watch that game, there's no question which the better team was, and yet Northwestern made two marches in the first half and in the second half, one march each where They got down in the in the red zone, and, and they kind of backfired down there. The Michigan State defense held up, and that really changed the, the tone of that game. And that not only did they get hung up, but they missed field goals. Yep, so that uh, is coming up as well. So a lot going on then tonight, kind of uh, opposite uh, the Illinois game, is number five, Georgia, and number three, Clemson, playing, uh, I think that game's in Charlotte tonight at 6.30. So who do you got in that one? I don't Georgia, know. Clemson. I, I just, I think that's a terrific game, and I don't, I, I'm afraid, I, I'm pulling for Georgia. I'd like to see Georgia win, would you? Yeah. I'd just like to see changes in the final four. I'd love to see a season in which Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson didn't make the final four. I'd like to see that. 
Um, volleyball last night, the Washington, the Final Four team last year, beat uh, Illinois over at uh, Huff Hall, 3-1. to one. Scores were 25-15, 25-21, 32-30. Illinois won the third set, and 25-21 the final last night as uh, Washington took uh, three out of four sets against Illinois, and the Illini played this afternoon against Colorado. Yep. Well, that's uh, you're going up against an awful good team in Washington. I'd like to see them bounce back. Bounce back. Uh, I wonder what attendance was like over there. I, there's so many things going on. You got all the high school games. You got so many things on uh, TV. It's, uh, it's just, uh, it, it, I, I would imagine it'd be difficult. And they had uh, uh, all those great players back. Uh, I don't, but I since I wasn't there, I don't know how many people showed up. Um, if anybody wants to tell us, well, give us a call. Have a chance for a little doubleheader today. If you want, you can go to volleyball this afternoon and football later on tonight. Some high school football scores. Centennial beat Danville 13-6. to Muhammad Seymour over Effingham 37-0. Normal West 48, Champaign Central 14. Unity beat St. Joseph Ogden 33-8. Gibson City Melvin Sibley 26, Fisher 13. Monticello 29 over Chillicothe IVC 6. It's a good win. I think Chillicothe is usually pretty tough. Monticello threw four touchdown passes again. Yep. They've got a quarterback named Sprinkle and a receiver named Foran, and um, they were the difference. Bloomington Central Catholic, 34, ran Tool 6. Iroquois West in overtime over Oakwood, 33-32. to PBL over Olympia, 38-8. to It was Prairie Central, 20, Pontiac 2, and... Uh, Reed Custer beat Arcola 56-34. Other scores, plenty more high school football coverage in today's edition of the News Gazette, if you want to check that out. The guys were all over central Illinois for high school football last night. It is 9-14. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're going to take our first time out. We're going to learn more about the Roadrunners of UTSA when Andy Everett joins us. The phone lines are open if you'd like to join us as well. Stay with us. We're back with more after this. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Fellows, Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you until 11 o'clock this morning, then back with you this afternoon, beginning at 4.30 for all of our pregame coverage ahead of that 6.40 kick tonight at Memorial Stadium. A crowd expected in the low to mid-30s expected for that ball game tonight, and the weather's supposed to clear up a little bit. The rain seems to have stopped for the moment, and... Uh, Quite a bit cooler than the 90-plus degrees it was on Zupke Field at Memorial Stadium uh, last week and in the stands as well. Let's learn more about the opponent, the Roadrunners of UTSA. Their play-by-play man is Andy Everett from San Antonio. Andy's in town to call the game tonight and with us on the telephone. Good morning, Andy. How are you? Good, guys. How are you? Good. Welcome to Central Illinois. Is your, this, uh, by any chance, your first visit to this part of the state? It is, uh, and it's considerably cooler here today than it has been in Texas since probably April or March, so uh, <laughs> we're enjoying that a little bit. Well, tell us a little more about this team. We've uh, done our investigation and done our research. We know that uh, the Roadrunners were 7-5 and five last uh, year under Jeff Trailer and have an outstanding running back in Sincere McCormick. Um, talk a little bit about that and then maybe add on to, to what uh, makes these guys go. 
Well, this team overachieved last year, and they had no place to go but up, uh, winning seven games last year after winning seven total the previous two. Uh, and so there, there was a, a lot of, um, I guess, questions last year about what UTSA was going to be. And uh, the Roadrunners surprised a lot of uh, teams winning seven games. They were in two or three others, played very well against uh, Brigham Young and at UAB and just couldn't finish uh, things in, in those games. But overall, uh, I think this team has kind of changed its entire uh, chemistry in the year and a half or so that, that Jeff Trailer's been here. He's flipped the roster. There's 90 Texas players on the, uh, on the roster. Uh, there's not that many on this trip, but there's 90 players on their 115-120-member uh, team. Uh, and they have a lot of uh, guys that were overlooked by some of the bigger schools or had chances to go to a Power 5 school and chose to stay home so they could play in a conference where they were going to get a lot of playing time. And I think there's probably seven or eight players on the UTSA roster that at some point will get an opportunity to play in the NFL. Uh, whether they make it or not is another story, but I think that they have pro potential at some point uh, in their careers. So that should be fun uh, as this team matures throughout the season. Tell us more about McCormick, the uh, running back. Is he one of those guys that you think uh, could play at the next level? And um, was he recruited by other schools before he decided to uh, stay at home? I think uh, I think Texas and, and maybe some of the Big 12 schools uh, were looking at him as a guy that could play his junior or senior year, and he would come in and kind of work his way up to the top. Uh, Sincere isn't uh, as fast as um, a lot of running backs are, and he's still pretty fast. I think he's around 4-5 or, or just under it, but it seems if you're not 4-3 or 4-4 these days that you're not as fast as the next guy. Um, I, I'm, I hate comparing somebody that's only played a little bit in college to a, the greatest running back of all time, but I think there's a lot of Emmett Smith in, in Sincere McCormick in the fact that he's undersized and maybe a tenth of a second slower than everybody else, but still gets the job done. And very few times has he been caught from behind. Uh, and he's got some power to run between the tackles as well. So uh, I think he's got that package. He's got a, a, a very good offensive line that was kind of thin last year and is a little deeper this year. Uh, and um, he was amongst the leaders in the nation. I think he ended up finishing third uh, overall to uh, Najee Harris at, uh, at Alabama and the, the one from Iowa State uh, that was up there uh, for most of the year as well. But they got an extra game. Sincere did not play the UTEP game. His daughter was born that week, and so he took that. He was given that week off. Uh, and his backup that week, Brendan Brady, who you'll see some tonight, rushed for over 130 yards in that game. So they have some depth behind him and others that will play down the road that uh, are very talented there as well. Andy, this is Lauren Tate. Uh, tell me uh, how it came about. Uh, in 2011, uh, what was behind the move to, to, to bring football uh, at this level to uh, San Antonio? Well, it's, uh, it, it took a lot of things. First of all, you have to go back to 2006 when the Board of Regents um, uh, first approached the idea of allowing ESA to have football. And the first thing it took was that the student body had to vote in an increase in their student fees in order to be able to start funding it. And then they had to do it again in 2008. And then in December of 2008, the Board of Regents said, okay, you have the clearance and the financial uh, means to be able to start a program. And then they started looking for applications. And one of the persons that was interested in the job was Larry Coker. And 
a lot of the athletic staff wondered if it was the Larry Coker, and it was. And he had led Miami to a national championship and almost a second one earlier in the decade. And so he was announced as the coach, and then it was determined, well, are you going to play FCS or FBS? And Larry insisted that in order for the program to have credibility in the beginning, you had to be FBS. And he said, don't worry, I'll find you teams that will create a schedule. And shortly after that, the Mountain, uh, the uh, Western Athletic Conference wanted us for a year. When that conference went away, uh, Conference USA jumped in. So a lot of things, the dominoes fell in the right way. And they had the perfect coach at the perfect time. And they had to basically practice against themselves for over a year before they ever actually played football hmm. in 2011. So uh, that's kind of the, a quick timeline of the, of the, uh, of the program. Uh, but uh, I think, uh, well, this, uh, yesterday was the 10th anniversary of the first game uh, back in, uh, in 2011. What's it like going up against Houston, A&M, Texas, Baylor? I mean, other schools in the state. You've got a lot of schools in the state of Texas playing football. And I know San Antonio is a, is, is a, a nice location. Uh, just tell us what that, what's that been like and from a recruiting standpoint. Well, it, it's been huge because a lot you're on the map and you're not playing uh, an FCS schedule that a lot of times aren't, aren't as important. And the future, UTSA is going to play Texas A&M again. They're going to start a five-game series with Texas starting next year, every other year. Really? Uh, we've played Army. Um, and as you mentioned, Baylor, uh, UTSA beat Baylor in 2017 when they were going through a tra- transition period yeah. um, and had uh, played very well the first time they played Oklahoma State back in 2013. Uh, uh, lost that game by about 20 points, but still scored in the mid-30s against an Oklahoma State team that was pretty good defensively. So uh, it's it's uh, that's kind of been the the idea. Well, uh, UTSA being in Conference USA is like a lot of Conference USA schools in that they are going to play teams like they are tonight with Illinois, and they're going to get paid to play. Uh, you ha- those conferences have to have those that kind of revenue to not only fund football but to fund some of their other athletic endeavors as well. Uh, and the other part of the uh, equation is is that. Uh, Sometimes you get a chance to beat those teams, and that puts uh, uh, another feather in your hat, and that's what they hope to do as the program matures over the next decade. Talking with Andy Everett, he's the play-by-play man for UTSA. As far as the size of the school, uh, is it about, what, 35,000 enrollment? Uh, 30, in the, in the, uh, maybe just under 30. It's the fifth largest enrollment in the state of Texas. Uh, A&M and Texas are one and two, and I believe uh, UT Arlington is up there, and Texas Tech is up there, and then UTSA are the are the top schools as far as uh, enrollments concerned um, in the state. Uh, but uh, a lot of people. It started out as a commuter school back in the '70s, and didn't really have a lot of campus life. That was another part of bringing football to UTSA. And when we started talking about it in 2006, is that uh, football kind of creates campus life for a lot of different people uh, around your campus and I think the student body has embraced that. I'm not sure there'll be a game in college football this season where both teams are so experienced. Illinois <laughs> has a you know a lot of guys back in 21 super seniors in addition to the, they've got 42 seniors total. Kind of the same way for the road runners. You mentioned all those uh, players from Texas. You got 12 super seniors and all the one starter back on both sides of the football. So some guys have been there and done that, right? 
Yeah, and I think uh, Brett Bellina said the other day that it was 77 seniors that are going to be uh, playing uh, at some point in this game. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of young freshmen out there that play really well, but typically the best freshmen have a bunch of guys around them that are experienced. Uh, when you play, you know, if you had 77 freshmen, you'd probably see a lot of mistakes and a lot of jitters. But I think that will not be a, par- a problem for either team this evening uh, with, uh, the matchup because of the experience that they have, and there's nothing in the world that you can do that replaces that experience. What kind of game do you look for tonight, Andy? Well, I think it's a contrast in styles, and I think uh, the yeah, Illinois wants a shorter game. They want to they want UTSA to run 50, 55 plays, and UTSA wants to run 75 or 80 plays. Uh, I think uh, the advantage for there's a couple of advantages for Illinois in that they played a game already. And a lot of times you're, you get your, your best improvement from week one to week two because you know what you need to work on and you're able to spend a, a good chunk of the week preparing uh, for that. Uh, I think the, the speed uh, is going to be interesting. I didn't think when I watched the Nebraska game last week against Illinois that Nebraska was, was the, the prototypical Nebraska team. They looked a lot slower to me than most uh, Nebraska teams in the past. I think Illinois fans tonight will see a faster team with UTSA than they saw against Illinois, but then Illinois has the size advantage. So I think there's some concerns on UTSA's standpoint as to how are they going to handle the offense and defensive lines of the Illini. And I don't know, not speaking for the Illinois uh, coaches, but I think one of their concerns will be how do we play a team that's faster than anyone else that we've played uh, to this point. And I think UTSA is quicker than Nebraska is. The other thing is is that Nebraska did not expect Illinois to start in a four-man front defensively last week, and UTSA is prepared this week to see either one, either a four-man front or a three-man front. Yeah, I was going to say, there's no telling what they're liable to do defensively. Illinois is a lot more uh, versatile defensively or trying to do the unexpected that uh, that they didn't seem to do under Lovey Smith previously. Now, you've got Lovey, by the way, down there in Texas uh, this year. Did you know that? I didn't know. I did not know where yeah. he ended up. He's uh, coaching with the Houston team. But, uh, he's in the NFL. He's got the, he's oh, the yeah. defensive okay. coordinator down there. So Yeah, he, okay. I, I do remember that now, but um, – no, I, I just think that it's a it's a fun matchup when you look yep. at uh, the contrast in styles. Is the, what team can kind of assert their will? Can Illinois make it a, a close, uh, short, a shorter game and extend drives and keep their offense on the field and wear out UTSA's defense, or can UTSA score? I don't think UTSA necessarily wants to score quickly. I think they'd like to have um, a lot of long drives as well. But I know from a play standpoint. Uh, UTSA wants to make it a, a track meet, and Illinois probably wants to slow it down a little bit. You know, I, I think this is interesting that uh, going into the second game, you say, well, everybody's always better. The only problem is Illinois lost their number one quarterback. They lost their their best defensive player in the game. Hart had a tremendous game. He's out. And uh, sometimes uh, it sounds like uh, UTSA is coming in pretty healthy. I mean, they, they, as far as you know, there are no injuries in that Top uh, 22 players? Yeah, I think they're, they're as healthy as they can be. And there was nobody that was expected to, to play that's not with us and on the trip. Uh, and so uh, that's uh, that's helpful there. Um, I think that a lot of times coaches I, – I asked uh, Jeff Trailer earlier in the week, uh, are you glad that you got to see Nebraska play 
uh, or would you have liked to have had a game? And he said both. He goes, I, I got to see Nebraska on film, or the, uh, Illinois and Nebraska on film, uh, but we would like to have played somebody just to kind of get the, the kinks out. So um, I, I think the, this, this team, this UTSA team, is anxious to play and see where they've come from last year. As I mentioned, they were 7-5, and five, and they lost to Louisiana in the bowl game, but they had 21 kids or 20, 20 personnel. I think it was 16 players and four coaches that did not make the trip because of COVID issues. Uh, and, and so they were really, really thin. They were down to like two backups on the offensive line, uh, and if one more would have gotten sick, they probably wouldn't have even played the game. Uh, so um, And they came from behind and almost had a chance to beat a top-25 team in Louisiana for – that was in the top 25 for most of last year. Uh, so I, I don't really know who's going to win or who's going to lose, but I do expect it to be a fun game tonight. And, and again, as I said, that contrast in styles is going to be interesting to see which one is more dominant. Andy, we appreciate your time. Look forward to seeing you over at uh, Memorial Stadium. And uh, welcome to Central Illinois. And have a good broadcast tonight. All right. Thank you guys very much. You bet. That's Andy Everett. He's the play-by-play man for the Roadrunners of UTSA. They're in town to take on the Illini in that game that kicks at 640. It's 931 right now on News Talk 1400 WDWS, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. A break, and we're back with more after this. It's moving up on 934, and this is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. With you as always until 11 o'clock this morning. Phone line is open 356 9397, area code 217, of course. Happy to welcome uh, back to the program a guy we had on in uh, July. I think it was maybe mid to late July. And his name is Cam Cox. He is with the uh, Influence Program, NLI coordinator for the University of Illinois. Good morning, Cam. How are you? Morning. I'm doing all right. Thanks. Uh, thanks again for having me, Steve. It's a. Uh, it's great to be back. You enjoyed the football game last week? Of course, of course, I did. Other than being about a thousand degrees, it was a wonderful <laughs> day and wonderful wind for us out there. Well, you spent some time in the South. You you know what that's like, that right? That is true. <laughs> that is true. I felt like I was back in Alabama there in the afternoon. I said, "Man, it is really, really hot." Well, it was a good crowd, a good win uh, for the Illini. But we want to talk to you a little bit about. NL, NIL and how maybe that's changed since the last time we talked. It was just getting started then. But kind of give us an update uh, of how the process is going at the U of I. Yeah, thanks. I, I will say we are off to the races. That's, that's <laughs> probably the right way of looking at it. Um, we are, are now fully in the name, image, and likeness era. We kind of have passed, I'd say, the kind of initial hysteria in that wave that had to do with that. There's now a sense of... As we get back into the swing of things with sports happening, how is that going to affect where the market moves on NIL, right? Because before it was all just celebrity and and people that we knew about currently. Now there's a sense that, well, maybe there are some names that are going to become bigger that we didn't know about during the offseason. Or maybe the way that some of these matchups are going to move, it's going to kind of promote people for a short time and that kind of thing. So we're really thinking a lot about what is going to happen over the course of you know the season and into the later fall and then obviously the winter. So, Have you got an example of, of that, maybe somebody that you didn't think that, uh, that might be a prime candidate for this that turns out to be? Or 
I'll tell you, I've got a group that I think, based okay. on what we saw last week, is, is going to be a prime candidate for this, is our offensive line. Yeah. Um, our offensive line has as been... As a group? As a group. Um, yeah. Because it's another thing we're seeing in the NIL market has been um, more group activities. I think last time I was here, I kind of teased that a little bit, mm-hmm. and, and I might have been on to something, because across the country, I've seen more people engaging with you know, a group of softball players, or say, the entire bullpen of a baseball team, or whatever... Um, but our offensive line has, has gotten some well-deserved love uh, from from the Illini community, and, and honestly, I think it'll probably continue here today. So, you know, I see uh, Ford is on uh, media, uh, social media a lot. Mm-hmm. Is he a guy that uh, would attract this this sort of thing? I mean, uh, are you see any companies that might be interested in him? As absolutely, I think that Luke Ford has done a really good job in the NIL space. I'll say that he was on top of it beforehand he was really thinking actively about what he could do in terms of reaching out to companies in terms of marketing himself a certain way um, and he's been successful he's been able to make a little bit of money so it's been good can, can you tell us the companies or the type of companies that he's uh, involved with general social media companies it I will say it, there aren't any uh, huge names that you would know and, and would kind of blow your mind um, but he generally will make Instagram posts and things like that, and then people will pay him for those types of things. Now, what we've kind of been hearing is that some of the basketball players are doing well, and I, I was thinking maybe the football players don't have time to get out at this time of year. They're, they've been so busy practicing through August and all that. But uh, have, has, have the basketball players been more uh, – has there been more interest in them than, than there is in the football players? I wouldn't say necessarily more interest, but it is a time thing. Even from just an education standpoint, it's easier for me to track down our basketball guys because, you know, they don't have to play on Saturday yet um, than it is our football guys. Um, and there's but, not a hundred of them. And there's not a hundred of them. <laughs> that, also, that also does add to it. But I think another piece is um, our basketball guys know that this is kind of their time before they get super busy. Yeah. Um, and our football guys, in as much as their popularity is rising as, as we kind of pick up momentum on the season, kind of, I think, know that they're going to be more opportunities later, right? Well, but wait a minute. Now, later, after they're seniors and after they're done playing? Not necessarily after they're done playing, but as the season progresses and then maybe as they're not as busy, but they're mm-hmm. still here in school and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, whereas I think basketball's thought as well, you know, as soon as we get into the season, I'm going to be, you know, coach is going to have me running around and doing other stuff. So, so now is kind of the time to, to be popular. Talking to Cam Cox, if you have any questions, 217-356-9397. You know, I think when this concept first came up, we were thinking about personal appearances and, and doing a Autographs. Commer- yeah, doing a commercial for a car wash or a auto place or something like that. Uh, but the social media side of it I think is much greater than a couple of old guys like us <laughs> would have thought about but uh, I'm sure you can uh, give us more on that uh, seems like there are really a lot of opportunities there yeah that that's exactly it I will say that I love looked across the market and we are seeing about a fifth of the transactions have been um, autograph related but we're still seeing the majority I mean uh, some of the bigger kind of market providers and market trackers are talking about it. The majority of transactions have been um, in, in the social media space. What's the situation with a basketball player wanting to wear a jersey uh, with the Illini on it? Uh, can you appeal that? Can, can, might he appeal that and, and be approved to, to do that? Absolutely. Um, it All it requires is approval. I will say that wearing a jersey is one of the hardest things to get approved. Um, particularly depending on what the nature of the advertisement is going to be. Um, so okay. in a situation where, so 
any use of our trademarks, U of I trademarks, is going to have to be approved. But in a situation where, say, someone just wants to wear a T-shirt um, during an autograph signing that's at someone's house, that's not something we're going to be as concerned about. If you go out there and put on a jersey for someone that's not a sponsor of the university, there's more of a concern about that in terms of lowering the value of that trademark. What if you wore a jersey with the chief on it? Well, I, I, I don't know that, that we ever made a jersey with the chief on it. You've got that trademark. <laughs> I don't know if we ever made a jersey with the chief on it. Um, but it, it'd be the same price. Oh, oh yes, you did at one time. <laughs> oh, I guess right. The old one. The old one. I'm thinking of the young boys. I'm like, they probably well, I'm just saying, uh, whether you would, would that be something that has to be approved? The university because you got does. a trademark on the chief. Correct. The university still owns the chief, um, and so yeah, they they absolutely would would still have to approve that. And I, I think that I doubt that they would approve that. I think you're probably right. <laughs> I think you're remember, probably right about remember that. Remember, the so. chief was on the basketball shorts not that long ago. Yeah. You know, back with the flying Illini. Yeah. Um, you've got a shirt on, an orange shirt, t-shirt, fighting Illini, and the Nike swoosh. Yep. Could a guy wear that to uh, in, in an ad or in public? Same way, have to mm-hmm. get approval, and and it, it would just depend on what the ad was. I'll say that. Does that approval go through you? The approval would just go through DIA. So okay. I sometimes look at it, but there are other people at DIA, depending on the level of complexity of the request, that might look at it. So for something like this T-shirt, there are times where I'd say, oh, yeah, th- this is an easy thing. We've seen this. We've kind of contemplated this exact use, yes, or oh, absolutely not because of the nature of the way that it's going to be used. Um, but a lot of times it's more complicated, and it goes to, to some of the guys who've been there longer. And there are some schools where you don't have to do that. I mean, you can wear the, the Duke uniform, Duke jersey, or whatever, right? Is that a state-by-state or school-by-school? School? It's school-by-school. School. So I'll say there are, you know, on the flip side, there are some schools where they're prohibiting the use of the colors. Um, oh, okay. A couple, um, just because they think that their orange or their red is so specific. Um, I'm like, you know, how can you really say that? But I think every school is deciding what they are more comfortable with. For us... We're all about what are we going to be able to continue to command for the use of our trademarks in the market, and we really don't want to devalue that. So that's kind of where it's working, um, and, and that's that's our mindset around that. Where is Open Doors in all this? In this specific issue? Mm-hmm. No, well, yeah, yes. As far as the University of Illinois athletes are concerned, are they always all going through Open Doors? I think some of them are. I, I will say the law requires, and then our, our, the law requires disclosure. Our policy requires disclosure through open doors. Um, but student athletes are getting opportunities all over, and not all of them are coming through open doors. And so because of that, sometimes I have to stay on the young people and say, hey, disclose through open doors, disclose through open doors, disclose through open doors. But and they, they might get, forget. But, but, the, but the sponsor then will have to pay more money to open doors. To, in order. Why wouldn't I, if I'm a player, couldn't I just uh, avoid that? Well, I think that, so our players, they aren't as concerned with that because they're not the ones who would have right. to pay. But the sponsors right. are concerned with that. Yeah. Um, I think it's all about what they're able to put together. So if you have a way of reaching one of our players or if you have a way of reaching a group of them other than Open Doors, you're totally fine to do that. But, of course, considering how big our fan network is and how big our alumni network is, there are a lot of people who don't, right? So if you're kind of far away, maybe you're not as connected, but you're really, really into what's going on on the football field – you're going to have to kind of go through open doors because you don't really know any other way of, of maybe reaching out to Lou. What do you hear on Kofi? I hear there's uh, something coming. Well, I I will say Kofi has been very deliberate in where he wants to engage in NIL. You know, obviously the whole thing from our perspective is about creating healthy brands. With Kofi, that's not something you got to tell. He just he gets it, right? He just understands that. And so I think he's been really, really slow walking the NIL thing and thinking, 
this is something I might want to entertain. This is something I might kind of want to entertain. I want to hear more about this, and I don't like that, right? And so he's just trying to get his ducks in a row before he really dies. Does in. he have an agent or anybody working for him, or is that permissible? It's totally permissible. Um, he is actually considering that, too. He, so mm-hmm. he's kind of thinking, well, is it worth it? You know, How would I go about something like that? Who would I pick? Right? Because I think he sees that there's going to be opportunity, so whereas – some people may say, hey, I don't really need an agent. And that's what we're seeing across the market. Like very sure. few of our student-athletes or other student-athletes have agents. Um, and other guys may say, well, I just need somebody as an agent. I think Kofi is being really, really particular about that. How about Trent Frazier? He seemed to be uh, out in front of all this. How's he doing? I think Trent is doing real well. I've, I've been personally proud of Trent and, and his ability to kind of tackle this. And you know, I think that he's somebody who does have an agent and Together, they, they have uh, made some good magic happen. I, I really like Trent's T-shirt that's selling at Game Day Spirit. And I don't know. I've, I've just been proud of everything he's been able to put together, autograph sessions and the whole thing. That, that's money T-shirt? Is that what it is? That's cash. That's cash. That's cash. cash. That cash, is cash. Not money, cash. It's a nice, it's a nice T-shirt. And it, it, they put together a really good graphic. And I, I really like that kind of stuff because I think a lot of times it takes the visual to get people focused on what all is possible in the NIL space. And when they see that, say, oh, gee, maybe maybe we could do something like that. So it's really cool. Talking NIL with Cam Cox. If you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397. We'll take a quick break. Be back with more on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Nine forty-seven on the show, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on a football Saturday. Volleyball action last night. The Illinois lost to 11th ranked Washington over at Huff Hall. Three sets to one. Back in action this afternoon at 2 o'clock. I'd like to check that out against Colorado. This is the uh, Pac 12 Big Ten challenge in uh, volleyball. Football, of course, tonight. UTSA in town. Illinois, a slight favorite in that ball game. It's scheduled to kick at 6.40 at Memorial Stadium. We're talking NIL with Cam Cox from the University of Illinois. If you have any questions, last time a lot of folks had questions. Maybe they're trying uh, or they're kind of figuring things out now. But if you do have questions, 217-356-9397. Do you talk to uh, other people like you at other universities that are doing the same thing you're doing and kind of get a feel for how it's going? Absolutely. And I've found, I'm so glad you asked that question because I've found over the time that I've been in this job that that's been some of the most helpful feedback that I've been able to kind of give and receive. Um, Because this is a state-by-state law regime, and because in a lot of ways it's school-by-school in terms of who's comfortable with what. Now, a lot of them don't have laws. And a lot of them, and (laughs) and honestly, no, no, truly, Lauren, like, because a lot of them don't have laws, it allows us to get a better sense of what is possible. And there are times where you can look across at another state and say, okay, well, I can't do it exactly the way you did it, but at least now I have a frame for, for what, what I would do or the way that it can be accomplished. Um, and then I just think about within our own restrictions, how can we accomplish the same thing? Um, and so it's been interesting to, to give and receive that. I mean, I'll say one of the people that I talk to regularly is one of the ones where they don't let student athletes use the colors. Um, and I was like, well, I think that's a little silly. And he says, well, this is we think this is so particular and blah, blah, blah. Um, I've got another person that I talked to down south who their state is just super restrictive. And she says, well, we, we kind of can't really do anything, even some of the stuff that we would consider to be more educational that they don't do. Um, and there's another guy I talked to, and he doesn't have a law, <laughs> to your point. Um, and they've been able to just do all kinds of stuff. So it's been really, really interesting. I think everyone's still figuring it out. Um, and everyone's figuring out how to really engage the 
fan base. I think that's one of the big parts here is figuring out, okay, well, on one hand, I've got to educate our student-athletes and our coaches, but on the other hand, it's really important to get the word out and get people thinking about, hey, here's how you can really interact with NIL, and, and here's kind of what your role is in it. Well, you know, uh, Indiana is located in the same state I mean, with with the NCAA. Sure. And they didn't have any kind of a law, mm-hmm. and yet when it came about, the NCAA just said, okay, uh, you, it's up to you. And right. so they're, they're better off than Illinois because Illinois has got some restrictive – you've got legislature in the state of Illinois that, that tells you what you can do. Indiana's got none. they got no limit. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's so interesting. It's one of the things we talk about kind of among ourselves as NIL administrators is that it's like the people who were not proactive and didn't have a law – um, in a lot of cases, that wasn't a deliberate choice. That was just a result of kind of you know being caught with your pants down when, right. when July one showed up, and they've had an advantage. And then the people who put the laws out the earliest are at a big disadvantage. So, right. What's interesting with our law, though, and I think this is this is a good balance. Is we obviously wanted to make sure we could create opportunity for our student athletes, and we didn't want to be left behind. But I'll tell you why our law is really good is. Because we passed it just before July 1, we actually did anticipate that it would become the law that we had to follow, Mm -hmm. as opposed to some of these other states where they have kind of impractical things or they're overly limiting because they kind of were just passing it, believing that, well, eventually, like the NCAA will kind of make it where we don't have to put this into practice. (laughs) Exactly. And then they're stuck. Um, And and some of the states down south, are they are in that exact position where they're kind of are requiring student-athletes to disclose prior and all these other things that you're like, well, that'll never happen. But they didn't really ever think that have to. What about uh, the, uh, the nationally? Do you think Congress will ever get around to this? No. <laughs> I think it's going to be a long, long time. Um, yeah. I mean, Congress just takes so long to do anything, and, and there's nothing that I think is far enough along where I'd say, oh, that's the one that's going to get there. Um, and then when I think about the list of priorities, I mean, the truth is I think NIL all day, every day, and, and the guys on Capitol Hill just don't. Do you meet regularly with student-athletes and teams, and do you do that in group sessions or individually or both? Both. Um, I will say that I I love going to the teams, particularly my non-revenue sports. I love explaining to them why NIL is for them, um, and, I, and I do it in a particularized setting. So I'll go to baseball and explain to them, look, you need to be thinking in terms of gear and in terms of sports camps and in terms of some of your traveling teams. I'll go to gymnastics and went a little bit ago and say, hey, you need to be thinking in terms of kind of the increase in popularity around the Olympics and in terms of some of the social media stuff that you can do. I'll go to women's basketball and kind of come from a different angle there. Um, and I think that gets them going. Um, I think a lot of times I will also do the individual thing because student athletes will have opportunities and say, well, I don't really know how this works. Or they'll say, you know, honestly, Cam, when you explained to me, I wasn't listening <laughs> um, because I didn't think I'd have an opportunity. That, that's happened with, with some of our other non-rev sports where they say, oh, this isn't for me, and it turned out it was. Um, and so I, I kind of take all comers and, and try to educate them and make sure that they're able to, to be empowered. When you do a, a, a kind of – you talked about a group thing, and you talk about the offensive line, which performed extremely well in the first game, I sure. thought. Uh, how do you limit – that? mean, there's five starters – and yet there may be the right guard might have two people that are all their name. I mean, how do you – is it five players? Is it ten? How do you, how do, you uh, do a group thing? So it, it's all up to them. Um, I will say that our offensive line is a tight unit, um, and, and it's some of the stuff that they're thinking about is usually bigger than the five or the ten. It's, it's like everyone who plays on the line. Um, and so it's, it's interesting, and that's, it's inspiring for me because I like that. But I think that their thought is, well – 
what can we create here for everybody? They're not thinking about it as, oh, well, you know, I start and this person doesn't start. And it's been, it's been interesting to see that across the market. Like student athletes have been a lot less. I was telling some people this yesterday. Student athletes have been a lot less selfish than I thought they would be. Um, it's, it's kind of strange, but, but just cool to see the young people doing that. But they, they kind of design it how they want it to be. I think if I owned a restaurant or a buffet, I'd be talking to those offensive linemen. <laughs> I think there are some people with the same thought as you, <laughs> um, and it's and it's been interesting. I, you know, I always say I don't know how good of a business decision that is, though. And boys like to eat. That's right. <laughs> but you, know, you might want to talk to the DBs. Um, but it, it's it's been good. Fillets are expensive these days. They are. <laughs> do you um, T-bone steaks too? Are they? What kind of contact do you have with uh, local businesses? Do they contact you, or do they go through somebody else? Um, a lot of times they contact me because they're not sure about what they can do and they know that I'll tell them. And, and um, they know that you've got uh, the pulse of the athletes as well. Right, right. I think that they think, okay, well, I, I can come to Cam and he will give me some education about what's possible. Um, and that's to, to many degrees true. Um, and so I think that's a great way of if you have questions or if you're thinking about, I don't really know how to engage, but I know that I want to help, definitely feel free to reach out to me. I love to say that you know, half of the state of Illinois has my number, and I think the other half will have it by Christmas. So <laughs> that's pretty much the way it's been going. What's been the biggest surprise? Has there been – this is all new, so I guess maybe every day is a bit of a surprise. But is there anything that's really uh, caught you off guard? Yeah, I think it, it's something w- that I, I wanted to see, but it, it was surprising to actually see it in practice, both here in Illinois and across the market. About 40% of the transactions have been female student-athletes. Um, females yes and and it's so surprising that when i first saw that here i was like well we're doing such a good job and look at this representation i was thinking about it and then i realized we were right on par with the rest of the country and then i didn't feel so good anymore um but yeah i mean i think women are just good at building brands i think um companies realize that i think that they tend to be more active on social media they tend to have more followers and that kind of thing um they tend to be kind of better at curating social media profiles. And because such a big part of this is through social media, they've just been taken off. I mean, I'll, I'll say in the traditional sense, I think influencers are often thought of as being women. Um, and so brands are willing to capitalize and they're working with our girls and our girls are, are taken off with that. So that's probably been my biggest surprise so far. Cam Cox, what's ahead? What? Uh, how, how will this change Two months down the road when we have you on again. It is, it's hard to say. I'll be glad to tell you in two months, but it's hard to say. I think we're going to continue to see more group activity. I think we're going to continue to see more fan involvement. I encourage more fan involvement and, and want people to really think actively about how they can help out our student-athletes, how they can get involved with the NIL space and give us kind of a, a competitive advantage. Is there an unusual uh, deal that you have come across that maybe that is a little bit out there that we might not have thought of you know yeah there was there was a a very very strange version of this deal that happened with a softball player but the most recent one has actually happened um down at georgia tech um the braves have engaged the quarterback of georgia tech to promote them to get more people to attend the braves games which it feels weird, doesn't it? But feels it's kind totally, of backwards, doesn't it? It feels a bit backwards. But the first version of this, I'll tell you, was even more interesting. So there was a softball player at Lehigh who signed a promo deal with like a professional softball team. And I had to read the story about three times to figure out why it wasn't a violation. And I said, oh, wait, that makes sense. Um, and I'd love that if, you know, our guys were to work with 
the White Sox as like brand ambassadors to you know get our Chicago kids to games when they're at home for the summer, that type of thing. Um, and I think those things are interesting, but they're really, really thoughtful. Um, they're creative. I'll say another one that was cool is Kayvon Thibodeau, who plays for Oregon, maybe the top pick next year in the NFL draft. He entered into a deal with United Airlines a while back to promote the direct flight from Eugene to Columbus that's going to happen over the course of the next couple weeks. Um, and it's interesting, right, from a business decision, you're like, oh, that actually makes perfect sense. Um, and so those those have been some of the more interesting deals I've seen. That's to encourage fans from to come to Ohio State for the football game. Right? Yeah, exactly. And and, and to tell them this yeah. is how you should do it. Um, so it's it's good because there's usually not the direct flight. So stuff like that. So some marketing people are doing some thinking there. Right? A couple folks are earning a paycheck, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Mm-hmm. Hey, Cam, always appreciate it. Good to visit with you again, and we'll do it soon. Let's do it again. Thanks, guys. Cam Cox with us from the Influence Program at the University of Illinois. We're approaching the uh, top of the hour. This is WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Hour number two of Illini Pellas Saturday Sports Talk comes up after this. Stay with us. We'll talk some more football. Adam Rittenberg will be our first guest in the uh, 10 o'clock hour, and Brad Underwood will join us at 10.30 as well. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We're headed towards 11 o'clock. First hour is in the books, thanks to Andy Everett, the play-by-play man on radio for the Roadrunners of uh, UTSA, tonight's Illinois football opponent, and to Cam Cox, who is with the University of Illinois. We talked about NIL opportunities and such with him. Second hour underway now, and Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com is with us on the telephone. Good morning, Adam. How you doing? Hey, good morning, guys. Hope you're doing well. Good. Uh, yeah, and we uh, we know you were here last week. We want to talk to you a little bit about the Nebraska game, but uh, there's been a little action since then. The uh, Northwestern game last night, Michigan State surprising the Wildcats 38-21. Did that surprise you? You know, a, a, a little bit. Certainly Northwestern struggling as much on defense, but in talking to some of the Michigan State coaches before the game, they felt really good about their camp, and they felt really good about some of the transfers they brought in, especially you know the, the running back Walker from Wake Forest. Um, you're talking to uh, a couple of their assistants; they were really high on him, and he showed why. I mean, he's supposed to play right off the bat, and you know he, he he'd been very good at Wake Forest, so that was a nice addition for a team that you know under their under Mark D'Antonio really established that identity of running the ball, and they're trying to recapture that. And they were certainly the more physical team at the line of scrimmage. And then having an explosive player like Kenneth Walker, I think really, uh, really uh, it elevates what they can do offensively because they have good receivers. You know, they have a new quarterback in Peyton Thorne, who I thought played pretty well for the most part. wasn't outstanding, but was certainly good enough. And uh, and yeah, you, they they just look different to me, you know, physically and and uh, with some of these new guys uh, part of that team. Thursday night, Ohio State played at uh, Minnesota. And uh, the Gophers hung in there for a while, but Ohio State took over in the second half and won 45-31, to 31, I believe. That was, yeah, 45-31. 45-31. And uh, your thoughts on the Buckeyes and the Gophers? Yeah, you know, I thought you know Minnesota could certainly take some, some good things away from that game, although we still don't know if, uh, if Muhammad Ibrahim, the extent of his injury, didn't look great. 
and unfortunately he left the game late in the third quarter. But, you know, for Ohio State it was interesting. You know, uh, offensively, it didn't feel like they had a great rhythm, but it was partially because they just make, kept making huge plays. I mean, they averaged 47.2 yards per completion in the second half, and, you know, obviously had a big run early in the game from Mayan Williams. So you, you, their, their skill position uh, depth is, is, is just at a different level than everybody else in the Big Ten. And that should really help C.J. Stroud, their new quarterback, uh, you'll kind of get more comfortable. He 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 admitted that he was uh, a little out of sorts in the first half, and understandably, I mean, he hadn't really played football in two years uh, at this level, and so he settled down. You know, made some plays in the second half. He obviously has a lot around him. Their offensive line, I think, is one of the best in the country, and so um, yeah, I think Ohio State again offensively is in great shape. Defensively, I'm concerned, guys. I mean, I, I wasn't thrilled with this defense last year, and they lost some really good pieces. And while they made a big play to, to get that scoop and score fumble from Haskell Garrett uh, and Zach, Zach Harrison, uh, I, 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 you know, I've had, I have some issues with the back end. And you know, they played a lot of guys, and maybe those guys will grow up. And I know they didn't have their top two cornerbacks. But I think you know, next week against Oregon, the talent that Oregon has on offense, uh, I'd be a little bit concerned if I'm a Buckeye fan. Well, what have you learned? You've seen, I guess, uh, three Big Ten games now. Uh, and you've seen uh, Michigan State play better. You saw Illinois uh, knock off Nebraska. You saw Ohio State. What, what are you, uh, what's your take on the Big Ten? Has it changed at all from what you thought it was to begin with? You know, not a ton, Lauren. As you, as you know, you don't want to take too much away from these first games. But um, you know, I think Nebraska, certainly the fact that they are still making the same mistakes that have plagued them so often throughout Scott Frost's tenure and that they focused on so much in the offseason – you know, that was uh, alarming to me um, to, to see. I think Michigan State's certainly a better team than they were last year. I think Minnesota's a better team than they were last year with some of the veterans they have coming back, um, you know, and obviously an experienced quarterback in, in Tanner Morgan. And I think Illinois, again, is settling down. They have a staff now that knows how to win in this league. You know, Brett Bielema understands the formula. And, you know, while I think a lot of that game last week was Nebraska being bad, uh, I think Illinois can, can certainly build some confidence uh, going forward, and now they just have to follow it up tonight because this is a good team coming in. And UTSA, really good running back. You know, Jeff Ta- Jeff Trailer's a, a solid coach uh, there with the Roadrunner. So important for Illinois to avoid a letdown tonight. Yeah, I was uh, I was kind of surprised today when I read our paper and Scott Ritchie, who is uh, all over this thing, and he's with the AP now. You know, he he's basically uh, taken Bob Osmussen's place in in uh, serving the uh, Associated Press with their rankings. And he picked uh, USDA to win tonight. Uh, that kind of caught me off base. But uh, I, I see it as a toss-up game, actually. And is that the way you see it? Yeah, yeah, I do. I mean, again, that's a uh, UTSA is a, a team that that uh, you know they had a winning record last year. They run the ball well. Um, you know, Illinois still you know likely without Brandon Peters, although Sikowski, um was uh, was solid in, in relief last week. And so uh, you know, again, it, it, it's so much about as you guys know you know, playing clean and limiting mistakes and, you know, penalties and turnovers and things like that. And if, if Illinois can, you know, win the turnover battle at home uh, and then and, you know, I want to see them run the ball a little better than they did last week, you know, that's going to be, um, you know, a key, to, a key to success. I think the Illinois offensive line we thought was going to be a strength of the team. I think Nebraska's defensive line is a strength of their team. And I thought they had a little bit of an edge last week on the line of scrimmage. And so, you know, if Illinois can, can improve up front, against a, you know, a smaller UTSA team and control the line of scrimmage, you know, for guys like Mike Epstein, they should be in better shape 
uh, to, to sort of control this game. But it's all about mistakes, and, and obviously they're going to have to, to, to defend the run as, as well, uh, too, against, uh, against UTSA's rushing attack. Well, I'm going to take you away from the game and, and ask you about what you're, what you're hearing relative to Houston and Cincinnati and, and others at BYU and maybe Boise State joining the Big 12. Do you see that happening? I do. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to happen sooner than we thought, too. I, I heard this Monday, uh, really, the four schools that, that they're focused on are, are BYU, Cincinnati, UCF, and Houston. And, um, you know, people are people were even surprised Monday how fast it was moving, and it seems to be moving even faster now. And so, you know, the, there's obviously been some formal contact. Um, you know, the process of applying and, and obviously getting approved, you know, we'll see how, how quickly that goes. Ultimately, the Big 12 would need eight of the ten schools to approve. So even if Oklahoma and Texas uh, uh, vote no uh, or don't vote, um, those other eight I would expect to be uh, fully united in, in, in bringing these schools in. So there, there definitely seems like an urgency from the Big 12's part to, to do this now. Now, when, when the, the four could join the conference, it could be different because BYU is an independent and the other three are in the American. You know, the American it typically requires 27 months notice to, to leave the conference and a $10 million exit fee. Uh, now, maybe that gets negotiated down or the fee would be negotiated up, but the exit uh, c- could be negotiated a little bit sooner. So we'll, we'll see how that evolves. But th- this does seem to be moving very quickly, guys, and we could see some uh, formal action you know, this week or certainly by the end of September. And you see them coming in even as Texas and Oklahoma are still in the, in the conference. And how long do you think they will be in the conference? Yeah, that's the big question, Lauren. I mean, I, I think the Big 12 um, uh, would love to, to obviously have them in the conference as long as possible because that keeps their revenues at a certain level. And Texas and Oklahoma, it, it just depends on how long they want to remain in uh, because the financial incentive is for them to remain in and not pay an exit fee. And then you can obviously depart uh, in, in 2025. But um, that's a long time from now. And a lot, a lot certainly could change. And uh, I think that's part of the strategy here with, uh, with those schools and the SEC. And, 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 and maybe, maybe there's one year of overlap, uh, perhaps, with the new members and Texas and Oklahoma. I, I, what I was told yesterday is that 2024 is, is sort of the, the, the magic year, potentially, where you could have everybody move to the league that they need to be in, uh, where you'd have a, a Big 12 that would be, I guess, 12 again, and then you'd have Texas and Oklahoma joining the 16-team SEC uh, but it, there may be a year of overlap or a year where they're all kind of together or some are together and some are not. But I think by 2024, 2025, we should have uh, all these teams where they'll ultimately be for the future. Another couple of minutes with Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com. What's happened to the, uh, what was not that long ago, a hot topic of expanding the uh, playoff uh, number of teams? Uh, there was talk of it going to 12. That's been kind of quiet lately. Well, it's been quiet publicly, but, but, but I think privately there's been a lot of discussion about um, what's going to happen uh, when, they, when they get together here in Chicago late in September. And there's a, an expectation that that 12-team that, that model that was proposed back in June it, you know, is not going to be approved, but they, they may end up there eventually. I mean, it still may end up being a 12-team uh, playoff, but I think these other leagues that maybe weren't as involved in that proposal um, have had some time to discuss it. Uh, I know Gordon Gee, the president of West Virginia, recently said that the uh, the proposal is essentially on life support. I, again, I, I don't see it uh, getting green lit uh, here in, in September, but um, I think the discussions that take place and that have been taking place that behind the scenes are going to be really interesting, especially because now you have the alliance uh, that's been formed with the Big Ten, ACC, 
and Pac-12. The Big 12 likely will have you know, something formal as far as where it's heading from an ex- expansion standpoint. And so maybe then you can kind of figure out what works best for you know, for everybody because we know the initial proposal works well for the SEC. We know it works well for Notre Dame. You know, whether it works well enough for the other conferences remains to be seen. You think that three-conference alliance was a good idea? I think it's a good idea in principle. I understand the, the skepticism, especially without contracts, but I also think that, that it's, uh, um, you know, it's been, it's been only a few weeks. And so let's see what they do. Uh, I saw Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, last night in Evanston. I know he's going to be uh, with uh, Pac-12 commissioner George Klyovkov next week at the, uh, the Oregon-Ohio um, State game, and then maybe they may hit uh, Washington, Michigan as well, kind of road trip together. So, um, you know, they're going to be spending a lot of time, and I think that's a good thing, right? I think this was done as an alternative to expansion. This was done as a way to take a position co- collectively on important topics. But, you know, as George Klyovkov said at that initial press conference, it's not what we say, it's what we do. And so we're going to find out if it's, if it's a substantial thing, if it's a symbolic thing. I know some are kind of laughing at it. Uh, some other people think it's something that could really be helpful. Uh, we're, we're just going to have to find out in the future. But it really comes down to the uh, actual bonds of those three leagues and those three commissioners who are all fairly new in their jobs. Well, I got to know, uh, what does Adam Rittenberg with three kids under eight do when oh, he's home God. on a Saturday? <laughs> well, right now it's driving around in the car hoping they're quiet. So <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then we're going to a park and then uh, – uh, hopefully my wife will help me out later and I can watch some football. But, I was going to uh, say you. Yeah, my, my bosses are like, oh, you know, it's great. You'll just stay home and, and watch the games. You'll get to see everything. It is so much harder being home on Saturday <laughs> than being on the road. But just keep in mind that the, the, your wife is the MVP of the family. So <laughs> as right. long as you remember no that. No doubt. Hey, Adam, thanks no for your doubt. time. We'll let you get back to it, and then we'll talk to you again soon. Hey, thanks, All Adam. Right, guys, appreciate it. Enjoy the game. Mm-hmm. Right. See you. Adam Rittenberg with us from... ESPN.com talking some college football at uh, 1014 on a Saturday morning. Phone line is open now if you'd like to jump in. 217-356-9397. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. And the folks at Illini Pella, they want to help you find the perfect window or door combination for your home. Whether you're looking for new or replacement, just visit their uh, showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign Monday through Friday. You can see the products in person there. You'll find the beauty of the wood windows, the ease of those between the glass blinds, and the durability of fiberglass entry doors. Pella is rated number one by Champagne homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. The experts there know all about what type of window or door works best for each unique situation. Working with the experts there at Illini Pella is an easy process from start to finish. They'll be there to help you along the way from the shopping portion to the installation as well. You can learn more about the styles, materials, and options available. The Pella Window team has the knowledge and experience to help you find the perfect Pella product for your project. Open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, or you can call them 356-6474 to make a perhaps a Saturday appointment if you'd like to do that. Or check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. And we're back with more Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk after this. It is 18 minutes after 10 o'clock. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, until 11. 217-356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to jump in. Game tonight at 640. 
at Memorial Stadium, Illinois and UTSA. Illinois about a four and a half point favorite in the ball game to uh, win his second game of the season. And what uh, in in our minds, I think Lauren turns out to be a pretty important game. Not that they're all not. When you only get uh, twelve opportunities, you better be ready to play. But uh, this one's got some implications tied to it. Well, I think that the fans are saying, "Show me." You know, the win was over Nebraska was nice, and, and that's encouraging. But you still have to show me, and and uh, this is a this is a very much a toss up game. I'm going to tell you that Illinois has had trouble in recent years, and I know this is a new coaching staff, but I remember they lost to Louisiana Tech in 2012 and 2014. Lost to Western Michigan. Who was the coach at Western Michigan? Wasn't uh, wasn't uh, it was Bill Cuban? Yeah, I I went to the to the locker room and watched the team take him across. Uh, he did the, across the top of the team. What do you call that? Surfing. Uh, surfing. Yeah, he surfed the, the the players. It was amazing to watch. Did you see what Brett said though about that? He said he went into the locker They're room. Not and he, be he said, surfing, uh, they don't want to surf me. <laughs> <laughs> He's a little too big for that. <laughs> Illinois lost to South Florida in seventeen and eighteen. I think South Florida is a little. Has a more, better reputation, of course, but they lost to Eastern Michigan in 2019. Did the Illini? When you lose games like this to Western Michigan and Eastern Michigan and Louisiana Tech twice, it puts you back in your place. I mean, you know, as a, as a as a Big Ten Power Five school, uh, you should be able to win those games, and this that's what they're up against today. They've got to win this game, or they lose uh, all that they've. All that they've gained so far would be lost if they lose this game. It's funny because one loss in that situation is much more uh, noticeable than a win over a team like that. You know what I mean? I mean, they're going to say, well, here we, here we go again, just after a game like that. Well, and that may not be the case. It, it, it's one of those picture. games where if you win, you don't go celebrate. You just take right. a deep, deep breath and, and, and sigh and think, Boy, I'm glad that's over. And by the way, and if there was ever a group that could body surf, Brett Bielman would be the football team, wouldn't they? <laughs> it would be the offensive line. <laughs> <laughs> they, could, they could get him up there for a while. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, I, I'm just saying that they need to pull out. That's why you're only going to have 30-some thousand people there today because Illinois has shown in the past that they couldn't live up. This is a perfect game for people to attend, by the way. It's it's a toss-up game. It's The weather's perfect. It's a night game. In, it's it's ideal on a Saturday night. There's nothing else, that not too many other things going on, but yet uh, Illinois fans are saying, "Show me," and hopefully they will. We'll find out with uh, that game tonight. Uh, the night games are usually fun, good atmosphere. We'll see if this one is as well. Let's go to the phones. The uh, lines are open. Let's say hello to Bob. Go ahead, Bob. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I watched the Ohio State and uh, Minnesota game. And two things happened that, that I just uh, were astounded by. Uh, the, the Big Ten and also NCAA is not taking the effect of a 50-yard pass by the Minnesota quarterback to his player down the field. The Ohio State player wrapped up the, his, uh, the receiver uh, a second or two seconds before he caught the ball. Yep. Why don't we go to the, NC, or the uh, uh, NFL uh reasoning on that and call that at the spot where it happened as the line of scrimmage. Oh, well, that's that's just the rule. I mean, it's 15-yard penalty. You're right. It's very different. If you throw a 60-yard or 50-yard pass in the NFL and, and there's a interference, the ball set is placed where the interference took place. But 
that's just a rule. I mean, that's always been the rule, and I can't tell you. I don't know any. Uh, I don't know if there's any interest by the NCAA to change it. Yeah, it's when I thought that at the time that would have maybe changed the the reference point of the game because if they make that catch and he goes on and scores, Minnesota, Minnesota is still in that game, and the momentum was shifting to Ohio State, of course. And the thing about Ohio State is if you have the quickness that uh, the quarterback can scramble and his offensive line can block long enough for him to have five seconds to throw to a receiver right. that is past his uh, defender in the, in the field – uh, by 10 yards, it's it's pitch and catch for the quarterback and the receiver for Ohio State. And they did that in the second half just over and over again. Yeah, I think you hit on the exact thing, don't you, Steve? That was the, the difference in the game was the fact they could protect him forever and that the, and they had those, what, four 50-plus yard touchdown passes. And there's, I, there's nothing Minnesota could do about it. I mean, they couldn't get to him. Couldn't get to him, right. Then the, the last point, uh, I thought Ibrahim – is such an amazing athlete that I was so sad to see him get injured uh, in that third quarter, and I don't know what his, uh, you know, what the injury is going to be. But when he was gets when he gets the ball at the line of scrimmage, he almost reminds me of a sprinter coming out of the blocks when he when he picks his hole. He was so quick to the center of the hole, and then from there, it's it's him making adjustments as he goes. He's a phenomenal athlete, and I, I thought that quickness, the real quickness, because he's standing there, and all of a sudden he's got the sprinter uh, ability to take right off as he, he gets the ball and he sees his hole and he sprints right toward it. I thought that was the most amazing thing, and he really is a phenomenal athlete. He is phenomenal. And Steve, uh, he, I think we'll see a guy just like him tonight. I do, McCormick. too. I mean, McCormick is really good. Yeah, I don't think he's yeah. as fast. But uh, he is good at, uh, as you said, Bob, picking the hole and, and making quick moves. And he is, he's a good one. He rushed for almost 1,500 yards last season. Yep. So thanks for taking my call. Yeah, appreciate it. 217-356-9397. If any other folks would like to uh, jump in, feel free to do so. If you're going to the game tonight, they've changed a little bit of the, uh, the protocol. You'll be expected to wear a mask in the stadium, in line for concessions, that was just recommended last week. Mm-hmm. This week, it's no mask, no service. No service. So basically, when you uh, get up from your seat, you're wise just to put the mask on wherever you're going to move around inside the stadium there. And uh, that's just kind of the way things are yeah. again. That's back where we are. Thanks. Uh, the governor made that call. But uh should be a fun game. Art Sitkowski will get the uh, start at quarterback. For the Illini, you mentioned uh, Chase Brown. We're not sure about his uh, status as far as how much he will play, but uh, uh, Sidkowski was ready to go last week and yeah, was I, efficient. Uh, that, that's the key, I think, 12-15. Yeah, I don't think there's an awful lot of difference between uh, Sidkowski and, and uh, the, you know, I, I just think that he, he runs the team and he's more of a spokesman. He's mm-hmm. more of a leader. Uh, I'm not sure. He's uh, more outgoing than Brandon yeah, Peters yeah, is. Right. He, at least he's a, a, a more of a leader in terms of, of his personality. They don't have to push him to be a, a leader. And, and uh, I think uh, I, I think that's, you know, that's a, a certain advantage. I don't know. Will he still be the quarterback 
later on or not. I, I, I kind of depends on how he plays, really. If he keeps playing well, uh, you don't take him out, do you? I don't think so. And it gives you a little more time in that scenario to, to bring Brandon Peters back and get him uh, totally healthy. I think he's improving a little quicker than they first thought he might. But uh, I don't see a scenario where, well, Brett Bielma said there's really not a scenario where he would use him this week that uh, Isaiah Williams might be your backup if you need By him By the way, week. I wouldn't be surprised to see him in there today. He's, he took snaps at quarterback this week, and they might have some special plays. That, um, the trouble that I've seen with special plays is sometimes when you take a, put a quarterback in that you know, that, that you, you know has certain qualities, the other team kind of anticipates what, what he's going to do. Uh, but I, I wouldn't, I think they're going to use Isaiah Williams and maybe in, in multiple, but he took one snap last week uh, from a halfback position. Mm-hmm. So he could, uh, he could do that. He could be a running back or, or he could be a quarterback briefly. Or, and I think they're going to try to get that ball to him as a receiver again. It is 1027. As we uh, approach the bottom of the hour, we're going to talk some Illinois basketball with head coach Brad Underwood coming up. After this, stay with us. This is Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk on DWS. It's 1030 WDWS Champaign-Urbana with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and this is Alani Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Hang on just a moment. We've got uh, an issue going here. We've got... uh, Brad Underwood uh, getting set to join us in uh, just a moment. Mr. Tate, let's talk a little more about uh, the football game while we uh, tend to some situations here. Um, tonight, Illinois favored to win this ball game, as we mentioned. And uh, what's going to be the key to you, do you think? Well, I, th- I think the key is uh, defensively, and, and I'm going to talk defensively because I think Illinois will move the ball. But I think defensively, they just have to stop the run and, and – uh, I know that Harris is a good left-handed passer, but I think that when you've got a guy coming in like McCormick, who's a second-team All-American last year, you know he must have something we have. I haven't seen, but I I know it's there when when you score that many touchdowns and you have that. They scored forty-one touchdowns last year in, in their season. <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of scoring. And now they gave up forty, but uh, offensively they they can hurt you. And Illinois, I would I would look for Illinois to maybe change defenses tonight and make some adjustments and and uh, be able to uh, so hopefully be able to slow him down. Brad Underwood joins us. We're going to talk some Illinois basketball, but first, Brad, what did you think of that football game last weekend? Well, that was spectacular, and uh, you know I thought that uh, first of all it started with our fans, it started with our students. Uh, it was great to look up and see that student section full and, and uh, you know, so many fans and, and just the, the sheer sense of excitement. Uh, we had a big recruiting weekend. We, we had a tailgate, and it was so fun just to, just to see that environment and, and to see everybody having fun again. So, uh, you know, then you got to a game that, uh, you know, really, in my opinion, wasn't as close as the final score. Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. I'm and I'm really happy for Brett and his staff, and most importantly, you know, all those uh, upperclassmen who came back and and have uh, you know are achieving some success, and now they've got to build on it. So uh, which I know will happen. So really, well, Coach, really excited and really happy for him. 
Coach, is there a relationship between uh, success on the football field when you have recruits here, do you think? It's the most contagious thing going, Lauren. Yep. Winning is winning is winning is uh everybody wants to be a part of a winner. Uh our brand has uh never been better. Uh you look around campus, you see uh in DIA you see buildings going up. Uh that correlates with winning. Uh there's a there's a sense of, of, of pride and I want to say you know your ego's up your your uh, head's up and it just becomes really contagious and people want to be a part of that and uh, it helps us in recruiting a great deal what uh, what's going on right now in basketball what are you doing what are the players doing well we started the first week simply with Fletch uh, you know just getting them back acclimated in the weight room getting through some of the soreness uh, he does a lot of testing in there. And then uh, Monday and Tuesday of this week, uh, we're small groups, uh, we're getting back on the court, uh, doing a lot of shooting, a lot of fundamental things. Uh, Thursday and Friday this week are team stuff where we'll really start taking off from where we ended uh, this summer. And uh, and then, we'll you know, it's a continual build from there. But uh, this time of year is about uh, – you know, getting in great shape, uh, getting after the weight room, and then just starting to implement, you know, some of your your key things that you want to be about and, and what, what you want this team to be about. So we're doing that right now. How does this compare with this time last year, with uh, so many unknowns this time last year? It's a world of difference, I would think. Well, you know, people forget we didn't have a summer. Uh, you know, so guys, guys, you know, especially these freshmen, you know, this was, you know, Curbelo and Coleman, this and Brandon Lee, this was the first offseason they had, too. So it, it's been uh, very different. Uh, we had a great summer. Excited about that. It's gotten, uh, once once Jake got back from uh, the Finnish national team, we had everybody here. So I felt like uh, we developed a great chemistry. And, and you know, a year ago at this time, we, we had a lot of unknowns. And, uh, you know, we had a couple couple guys, obviously, in Kofi and Iowa that were in Trenton, DeMonte, but uh, uh, just the maturation uh, that happens over the summer we missed last year. Yeah, Kofi back. Uh, what does he bring uh, to the team uh, besides the obvious? I mean, he's he, I saw him the other day, and he looks like he's in such great shape at this point. I may be wrong. Maybe he's not in game shape yet, but he sure looks like he sure looks the part. Yeah, and I, you know, Kofi's never too far out of shape. He's, uh, you know, he's just so big, and, and he works so hard. Uh, you know, I think we're seeing a guy that, that understands he's a junior, uh, his leadership, you know, and, and for Kofi, you know, to be around him every day, uh, and Kofi never has a bad day. He's always happy. He's always got a great temperament and personality. Uh, you know, that's so important on the court. Uh you know, he's really stepping into some leadership uh, that I'm excited about. And, uh, you know, that's been the, one of the biggest changes we've seen uh, in, in Kofi from last year to now. Coach, i got to ask you about the NIL name image likeness, particularly with Kofi's uh, so valuable. How do you, what's your stance on that, what, what do you, and what, how do you see it developing? Well, it's obviously great. Uh, you know, these guys are having an opportunity to 
to uh, to monetize themselves, and, and I think that's something that could be uh, terrific for Illinois. And, and Kofi's, you know, at the forefront. Uh, obviously, Trent, Carmelo, Demonte, guys that have been here have some uh, uh, some things established. But uh, you know, I think we're all trying to still figure out the time consumption of it and and how it works. Uh, you know, these guys are. Are, are getting hit from a lot of different angles about it. So, uh, you know, my biggest concern is, is not the everyday uh, piece of it. It's, it's the, the overall, how, how much time do they spend on it? How do they grow it? How do they work it? Uh, DIA is, is, in my opinion, way ahead of most in this area. But, uh, you know, Lauren, I think we're going to have to continue to it changes day to day, but uh, I'm 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 excited. For it and I think it's gonna be a great thing for, for Illinois. Well, coach, you had a, a lot of uh, you had some recruits in this past weekend. I understand crucial guys that you're after. What do you say when they ask you about the NIL? Yeah, I, I mean it's you know it's it's one of those things that you can't uh, talk specific numbers or a dollar amount because we we don't know. Uh, but what we can talk about is, you know, our passionate fan base, um, our social media interest is so extremely high. Our brand, uh, we spend a great deal of time talking to student athletes about their brand and how we can help them with that and enhance that. Uh, we talk about having the second largest living alumni base uh, in the country. That means people out there have been successful in a lot of different areas that, that, that follow them and follow our program and could potentially, uh, you know, uh, get involved with NIL. So uh, we talk a lot of, a lot about the personal side of, of branding and then the obvious the, the, the team stuff that goes with it and that comes with, with being successful. I'm going to bring you over to the, uh, the alliance thing because – scheduling was brought up in that and it looks to me like your schedule this year might be the best the toughest schedule illinois has ever had in ter- terms of total game you got 20 conference games right off the bat and then you got to go to marquette and you got the two games in kansas city and you got all these key home games with notre dame arizona missouri i mean that that's a heck of a schedule uh what how do you see your uh, are you affected at all by the alliance with the three conferences in the future in scheduling to be determined. I don't know. I, I would assume that uh, uh, there, there's the possibility of the things that the Big Ten controls, uh, being the ACC Challenge, the Gavit Games. Um, I think one of the things that is truly unknown is what will happen to MTEs. And, uh, you know, multi-team events are so valuable because, you know, they only count as one game. You can play two or three games in those and they only show up in your schedule as one so um you know how those are affected what it does to conference play do we stay at 20 do we <clears throat> do we back off to 18 do we play you know three or four Pac 12 games you know i we don't know uh, there's been nothing directed that way yet but uh you know i think you're going to see enhanced scheduling you're going to see people forced to play schedules that are very much like the one we have and you just mentioned i mean where you're going to have 26 27 28 
semi-major contest, and, and that's what that allegiance is going to do. And, uh, won't be any big shock to us because we play people, and and uh, you know, twenty league games is, is tough enough, let alone playing the people we play uh, in the non-league. Have a couple of minutes with uh, Illinois basketball coach Brad Underwood. You talked about uh, the knowns that you have this year compared to the unknowns last year. Talk about the, the new guys and what you've seen from them uh, be- when they were here before they went home for a while, now that they're back, and how how's everything fitting together at this point? I know it's still early. You know, I think the one thing that you, you feel really good about is, you know, a guy like Alfonso Plummer, and close to a 14-point-a-game score. Nobody even talked about him, and, and elite shooter and, and scorer. And, you know, he was a leading scorer at Utah and a team that was it was a good basketball team, extremely well coached. We've seen that. Um, that excites me. He's, he's, he's mature. Uh, you, you know, and then you see an athlete in Omar Payne that, um, to be very honest, we haven't had. You know, a 6'10 pogo stick that just jumps out of the gym and, and – uh, Twitch and uh, excited about his development, his work ethic. He's he's he loves it here. He's he's fallen in love with the weight room, and that will do nothing but enhance him. And and so I'm excited about uh, you know about those two guys because of, of of them both being pieces that we needed. And then you've got three freshmen with a world of potential and 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 the excitement, and and they're all different and and do different things. So. Uh, I, I love this, this this group of new guys, and and I think they're they're all going to be in a position to, to impact our team. Coach, can you play Payne and Kofi uh, at the same time, or is it necessary to keep him back as a backup for Kofi? No, I think we'll play both. I think we'll see opportunities to, to have both of them on the court. Uh, you know, that'll be, a, again, a work in progress. Lauren, the one thing I love about this team is uh, we've never had a team – with this many flexible pieces and uh, guys that, you know, an Austin Hutcherson can play the point at 6'6", uh, you know, a guy that uh, uh, was injured last year. He can also play anywhere on the perimeter because he can guard there. You know, you got a guy like Coleman Hawkins who's ready to make that jump. Uh, you know, it could be a five, can be a, can be a three. Uh, so I love our versatility and the things that we can do matchup-wise. And, and, and as a coach, that's one of the things that I truly enjoy is being able to mix and match and, and play different ways uh, with different lineups. We're hearing good things about Hutchinson. Are we in danger of going overboard on him before he's played? Oh, I, I, I always think that's the case. I think all you media guys do that. <laughs> um, you know, he, let, let's not forget. Uh, we love his talent, uh, you know, and, and he's he's been, you know, prior to his injury two years ago, he was just phenomenal in practice. Uh, and that's just being very honest. But, uh, you know, he hasn't gone out and done it in front of 15,500. He hasn't uh, worn the uniform yet. And when you're out a couple of years, I expect him to have to take a, you know, a little bit of, time to get that competitive juice going and get that feeling back of what it's like in a game. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always more cautious, but I, but I love his talent. I love his competitiveness and, 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 and the tools that he has. Hey, Brad, we appreciate your time. Always uh, good to talk uh, basketball with you. Thanks for taking time for us. You bet. Thanks, Dave. 
And we apologize for the uh, inconsistency of that uh, audio. Brad was out on his walk. <laughs> and uh, you could tell that. But it's uh, always good to talk basketball with him. And we didn't even, as, as he mentioned, we didn't even talk about Andre Cubrello. And he was recently picked this week as the uh, top guard in the Big Ten by some organization that uh, rated the top 10 or 12 uh, guards in the well, Big Ten. i tell you even better. He was ranking the top eight players in the country, mm-hmm. along with Kofi, by one of the writers, again, one of the national writers, I saw that about, what, a week and a half ago mm-hmm. or so. So he's a, he's a leader. Everybody knows that he's got the potential to be an all-star. And he's, he's got the potential, again, with his personality and the style of his game. He'll be the most popular guy since? Since? D. D Brown. You think? I think, I, I think so, too. Chance, yeah. yeah. Now, will, will he stay here four years? More popular than and then Iowa was last year. Well, I don't know. It'd be that'd be you know that. Let's not uh, overlook what Iowa did. No, we can't do that because Iowa, being a Chicago guy and an Illinois yeah. guy, that uh, that carries a lot of weight and first, always will. First team All American, even though he yes. wasn't selected high in the draft. Uh, nevertheless, he he had a season, and it was good to see uh, the other day that uh, the student uh, ticket sold out in three yeah. hours. Yeah, three thousand. Uh, Student tickets there for the Orange Crush. I got some news for you, Steve. We're a basketball school. Well, right here. That's not breaking Champagne. news. That's uh, that's not news. It's is not it? new news, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I think it's a fact, no doubt. Ten forty-five. But there's a big football game tonight, and we'll talk more about that and whatever else might be on your mind. It's still time for you to join us. We've got another segment or so here on Alani Fellow Saturday Sports Talk, and we're back after this. Ten forty-eight. Here on DWS, let's go back to the phones. And Alan is with us. What do you say, Alan? Morning, guys. Uh, like the weather a little bit better than last week. Uh, feels more like football. I'll put it that way. Hart mm-hmm. uh, uh, is out and out for the year. I was impressed with him last week. Who's going to take his place? Uh, I didn't see Barnes do a whole lot last week. Uh, can he be the person? Uh, oh yeah, step in. Yeah, I th- I thought he played really well last year at times, and when he when he got in there before he got hurt, and Tolson will be back. Tolson started games. I think he had he sever- started several games two years ago. So yeah. I mean, you got two guys there with a lot of experience, although they have been injured. But if 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 Barnes is is fully healthy, and and I think you I think you'll see him play a good game. He better play a good game because I tell you what, they're they got to stop that run. McCormick's going to be a real threat. If Sikowski was to get hurt, who would be the backup? Would Peters come in or would it be somebody else? Uh, Peters is not going to play. He wouldn't come in in this game. Uh, uh, could be Isaiah Williams. Yeah, could be Isaiah. I think you're going to see Isaiah play some quarterback. But I'm, I, I'm only, But if if Sitkowski is going well and Sitkowski's doesn't, he won't come out. Uh, you know, unless it's, unless something happens, and so. But I think he'll be the next quarter. I think that they would use Isaiah. He played a lot of quarterback last year, and he and and he's been a quarterback in his career, so he could he could fill in. It wouldn't be an ideal situation, but it would create some problems maybe for uh, for UTSA that they weren't expecting. I think this game is going to be a lot better than most people realize. Well, I hope so. <laughs> but uh, I I. I 
I don't know. I, 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 there's a reason why Scott Ritchie picked UTSA to win. And Scott's usually pretty, uh, pretty accurate on his guesses. I mean, everybody, nobody can be perfect on their, on their uh, predictions. But I, I think this is this is going to be a really tough game. I think. Oh, we'll just have to prove him wrong. Yep, yep. That's all I got, guys. Mm-hmm. Okay, Alan. Thanks. We appreciate the call. As always, it's more about uh, more than just sincere McCormick in this. Uh, UTSA offense, they've got a couple of wide receivers. One had 58 catches last year. Mm-hmm. One had 49. Both those guys were honorable mentioned all-conference, Joshua Cephas and Zachary Franklin. And the quarterback's a left-hander yep. named Frank Harris, who threw for 1,630 yards last year, completed 64% of his passes for uh, 12 touchdowns, six interceptions. And he's a guy that can uh, be a little dangerous, too, if you let him get out of the pocket. Yeah, he's the guy that was injured in 2018 and 2019 before having that good year that you just mentioned, and they've got they've got a really good one-two punch for passing and running. It's this is a it's just a real threat. I'm just going to repeat: the football writers picked Sincere McCormick as their second-team All-American running back. Now that's a really a strong organization, and when when they do something like that, there, there's something I didn't re- I didn't know about him, but I mean, I'm I'm certainly aware of him now. Here's some more bulletin board material for you. Okay. Kirk Herbstreet, Lee Corso, and one other John Pollock on TV, UTSA to uh-huh. upset Illinois. Uh-huh. If you were picking, who would you pick? I don't pick. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you to pick the... Uh, let's say the the Bama Miami game. You you'd pick that one. I'd you? probably pick that one. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to pick the Illinois game, I, mean, I would pick Illinois 30, yeah. You know, yeah. something yeah. like that. I think it'd be a. I think it'll be a good game deep into the fourth quarter. But uh, I guess I'm not a little, not surprised that others are going the other way. But uh, a good chance to... Well, uh, if Illinois is going to be a bowl team, and that would take six wins, they need to win this game. They do. Because there are going to be games later on against Minnesota and Iowa and, you know, and Wisconsin that are going to be really, really tough, and Ohio State might be tough, <laughs> you think? <laughs> well, you don't play them, so that's good. Okay. <laughs> we don't play them. All right. <laughs> that's good. But, you know, Iowa's going to be tough. Um, not sure about... Uh, what Maryland or Purdue has, but we'll be finding out a little more today as both those teams are scheduled to play their uh, first games. The uh, Roadrunners are coached by a, a gentleman named Jeff Trailer, who spent a little time at uh, at Arkansas, not at the same time that uh, Brett Bielma was there. But uh, and he noticed in watching the game last week about uh, the crowd, the student section at Illinois, and he liked what he saw there, even though he knows they'll be going against him. That's awesome. You know, It was really awesome. We could hear the we can hear the crowd of the TV. You can hear the band of the TV, and uh, we're, we're, you know, I'm happy for those people. That's that's fun. That's a lot of fun, and um, we'll we'll have the noise cranked cranked up as loud as we possibly can. Uh, we'll try to do everything we can to duplicate that. That's why you do this, you know. It's, it's we even practice running on the field Saturday, and we tried to anticipate what all the uh, fans were going to say to our kids. You know, we made all the Texas jokes we could come up with. Talk as much crud to our kids as possible, and and that that that's exciting. We missed that from college football last year, and we're excited to have that back. Uh, even though they won't be cheering for us, it'll it'll still be great just to to have them up there getting rowdy. 
That's Jeff Trailer, the uh, roadrunner coach of uh, UTSA. Yeah, I like that. All the Texas jokes they could think of. <laughs> I can't think of any, but I'm sure they've heard them all. <laughs> it is at 10.54. A lot of fellow Saturday sports talk. We'll take our final break and be back with some final words after this. A couple of minutes before 11. Looks like it's going to rain. But so far... 6.30, Steve. Mr. Meteorologist Warren Tate <laughs> lists the percentage at 6.30 and beyond at less than zero. <laughs> when you bring up rain at a football game, I think back to the Purdue game a couple years ago when Illinois went over there and they couldn't pass because of the rain and Illinois won on the, with a ground game. And Steve, I think that I don't think a rain would hurt this Illinois football team in a game. If it rains, I think that's an advantage for Illinois. What do you think? I think so. But it may be just as Good advantage for them as well because they've got that outstanding ground game themselves. By the way, um, we saw three passes to um, Ford last week and no passes to Barker. So the tight ends caught three balls, including a touchdown pass. The first play of the game was a pass to Ford, remember? It was completed. I'd just like to see more of that. I mean, I'd like to see Barker uh, get involved today. I I think that, uh, and by the way, both those guys did a tremendous job blocking. Ford, especially on that left side when they were running all those left plays to the left when they had Kramer pulling and, and Barker cutting, uh, coming down from the end position, boy, that was tough. They didn't make great gains, but they had yardage every time on that left side last week. Well, I, I think you'll see more of that today, and I'm sure that UTSA will be thinking about that and pro- probably overload there, uh, which uh, Nebraska never did. You said when you think of rain in a football game, you think of the Purdue game. When I think of bad weather in a football game, I think of the uh, the game where we had all the lightning delays. Well, where yeah. every time there was a lightning yeah. strike, there was another thirty minute delay. Yeah, at least. And yeah. uh, I was interviewing you and everybody else in the press box that day. <laughs> right, to keep the thing alive. <laughs> I had Tim Dittman up there, and I said, "Go get me somebody else," because uh, <laughs> on the network uh, we stayed uh, on the network with the broadcast, so. It, but we just stayed on uh, interviewing guests and such. But uh, I cringed every time I saw another lightning. Uh, yeah, well, lightning will stop the game. Rain won't. Exactly. And uh, I'm, a, I'm with you. We had some rain overnight. And we had some rain early this morning. But the forecast and the radar looks like uh, we're in good it's, shape. It's for an interesting game in this sense. The, the, the top stars going into the game are the two S, uh, the, the U.S. Uh, the UTSA. San Antonio yeah. uh, players. And the quarterback and the, and the running back, and the, and the balance seems you know the balance team effort comes from the Illini. I don't think there's any one person, no running back that you can pick, or no, or Sitkowski as a quarterback that you expect to do anything special. But the Illini will just try to do it as a team. And so Corso's never right, by the way, is he? He's been wrong before. <laughs> That's why they play the game, and we'll do that at 6.40 tonight. Mr. Tate, we'll see you over at the uh, stadium a little bit later on. Our pregame coverage begins at uh, 4.30 over there. For Ed Bond and Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you again soon. Have a good weekend.